Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Warmer fellow you all, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. we got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be chatting with our good friend Jeff Parles of the Vegas Hats and Information Network. Guy always does a great job handicapping a little bit of everything. You've heard him on just a wide gamut of shows the last few weeks. He has pretty much been the super reliever of the Vegas Hats and Information Network the last few weeks. So we're going to be chatting with him about Monday's games, taking a look at some of the interesting divisional races in baseball as well. So we're going to have a good old time with that. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Monday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You got one or two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter your timeline at Jaren Squirty 1. Keep in mind, letters M, naming does not matter. And the other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. It helps out the exposure of this podcast. Many people, they're searching like Apple Podcasts, whatever you, they see, oh, this baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson apparently is very good, so helps out there. And then from there, if you do wind up rating five stars, you're able to put whatever you'd like to hear on the podcast into that comment section. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Sunday, including including the return of a masher for the San Diego Padres. So let's take a look back at that. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Padres, I believe, wound up entering into Sunday 7-9 and against the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they had to rectify that, and they got a boost in the form of Fernando Tatis Jr., and he made that boost count as he had not just one but two home runs for the team. His 32nd and 30. 30- 
third home runs of the season. Both of those wind up coming off of Zach Gallon and Gallon. Well, he filled up the gallon of home runs in the bucket as he also served one up to Jake Cronenworth. His 17th home run season for Gallon gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including those three bombs. From there, you wind up having two runs given up in a third of an inning by Miguel Aguiar. You wind up having Sean Poppin give up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. J.B. Wendell can, along with Jake Ferrier and Brett Geis, all give you a scroll of setting. And for the Arizona the Diamondbacks, you had a Josh Rojas home run for his 11th home run season. And sadly leads all active players currently on the Arizona Diamondbacks now that they traded away Eduardo Escobar as for the Padres. It was a bullpen game for them. Tim Hill, Danny Hudson, Emilio Pagan, Austin Adams, all give you a scoreless inning. All in 10 pitchers or fewer, by the way, which I find to be very impressive. Pierce Johnson, he gives up that solo home run in the course of his inning. Reese Noir winds coming in for two innings. He gives up one run in the process. And Craig Salmon, two scoreless innings as the starter slash pseudo opener for the team. So exactly what the Padres need. They were able to get the and the Dodgers, they were able to get exactly what they needed. A massive win over the Mets to be able to take the sweep. 14-4 the final as for the Dodgers they went deep early and off and off of one Carlos Carrasco as Carrasco serves one up to Justin Turner down for what? 21st home run season. Max Muncy goes deep for his 24th home run season off of Carrasco and then Yancy Diaz serves one up for his 25th home run season. Matt Beattie winds up getting a home run off of Brandon Jury for his 5th home run season and then you wind up having Mr. Will Smith get jiggy with it. His third home run in the series, 18th home run of the season, that comes off of Mr. Carrasco and made no sense why he wound up bunting in the second inning and then was pulled without going out for the third. Two innings pitch, gives up six runs, all of which were earned three home runs. Now it's a 10-32 ERA. The return for him has not been great. Now Jake Reed was actually able to give the Mets three scoreless innings and then Yancey Diaz gives up three runs in an inning. Jeff Hartley, he winds up going two innings, giving up three runs. And Brandon Drury and Kevin Pillar combined to pitch the ninth inning as he wind up having Drury give up two runs in the process. And for the Dodgers, Max Scherzer looked like Max Scherzer. A couple errors out there in the field that did not wind up helping him out, but he winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Really probably should have been one. Dom Nunez winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning, but Edwin Yuseta gives you five outs out of the bullpen, and you wind up giving an inning to young Connor Green. So the Dodgers were able to get the sweep in New York. The Blue Jays, after having two taken from them by the Seattle Mariners, they get the final game of this series by kind of 8-3 to three for the Blue Jays. They were hitting home runs in this one. Randall Gritchick, 20th home run of the season. That comes off of Logan Gilbert. Gilbert winds up also serving one up to Mr. Teoscar Hernandez, his 20th home run season, as Marcus Simeon goes deep off of both and arm Johan Ramirez for his 27th home run season, and Ramirez winds up serving one up to Mr. Corey Dickerson for his third home run season for the Seattle Mariners, Logan Gilbert, who the team had won 11 straight starts. They have now lost three straight of his starts. He winds up getting lit up in this one, giving up five runs over the course of four innings. From there, you wind up having Josh Smith give up an unearned run in an inning. You had two scoreless innings out of Wyatt Mills, who has not necessarily had a great year so far this year. And then Johan Ramirez gives up those two home runs in his two innings of work and for the Seattle Mariners. They were able to get a home run off the bat of Kyle Seeger, 26th home run season. That winds up coming off a of bullpen arm. Adam Simber, who's actually been relatively solid, giving up two runs in an inning. But how about Steven Matz? Five innings, gives up one unearned run. He was hurt by a fielding error, but past that, was able to do a solid job right in. Taylor Saucedo, Jordan Romano, I'll give you scoreless settings from there as well. The Houston Astros were looking for the sweep of the LA Angels, but the Angels said no, sir, as Reed Detmers was able to give his best start of the year. 3-1 to one the final. For Mr. Detmers, he winds up being able to provide six innings, gives up a solo run in the process. Going deep for the Houston Astros, Michael Brantley is eighth home run season, but past that, was relatively unscathed. He was the number 10 pick overall of the draft, I believe, in 2020, and he was 
getting right around 16 strikeouts per nine innings at the minor league level. Had six and six innings in this one against an Astros team that really doesn't strike out too much. From there, you wind up having Jose Quintana and Rossi Iglesias. But your final two innings scoreless and Austin Warren was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. And for the Angels, Phil Goslin provided some insurance in the eighth inning off of one Christian Javier with his fourth home run season for Lance McKellas Jr., his first road loss of the season, but wasn't necessarily his fault. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs. Ryan Sanic was able to give it out out of the bullpen, and Christian Javier gives up that solo home run over the course of two innings. So, Astros were unable to get it done for the sweep. The Giants, they were able to get it done for the series win over the Colorado Rockies. Five to two, the final for the Rockies. They are now actually halfway decent on the road recently. Eight and ten in their last 18 games, and if you wound up having the under, they had the bases loaded with no outs in the seventh inning, those Giants did, and Robert Stevenson came in for a scoreless inning in that spot. Yancey Almonte also gave you a scoreless inning. Lucas Gilbreth, he was able to give you an inning out of the bullpen. Scoreless Ben Bowden, he was a hot mess. He gave up two runs, one of which was earned without giving a single out. Tyler Kenley, he winds going two-thirds of an inning after John Gray. Four and a third innings, gave up three runs, did not necessarily look so solid. And for the Colorado Rockies, they do go three of six with men in scoring position as Alex Wood, relatively solid in this one. Six and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs in the process. Dominique Leon completes the seventh inning. And then Tyler Rogers. Jake McGee both give you scoreless settings to be able to get the job done for the Giants, who are now 76 and 42. This team just keeps on rolling. Speaking of continuing to roll, that's the Milwaukee Brewers. Did not wind up covering the run line, but they went two to one straight up as Eric Lauer only winds up going four innings, and this one was on a little bit of a pitch count, giving up one run in the process. And Brent Suter, he has 12 wins now. I don't know how Brent Suter has 12 wins, but he does. He goes a scoreless inning along Jake Cousins, Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader for the Brewers. No home runs in this one, but they do go one of nine with men in scoring position. Christian Yelich had a nice hit in this one. That is what you'd like to see if you're a Brewers fan. And for Dylan Peters, not a bad start here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Gives up two runs, only one of which was earned as Rodolfo Castro made an error out there in the field. From there, Kyle Keller was able to give you an out of the bullpen. And Dwayne Underwood Jr., two scoreless innings. Chris Stratton along David Bernard, they both provide a scoreless setting of their own. For the Atlanta Braves, they wind up taking it to the Nationals who are now 1-12 in their last 13 games. 6-5 the final for the Bravos. You were able to get a trio of home runs in this one. Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley both get their 25th home run season and Dansby Swanson is 24th as Paulo Espino winds up giving up all three of those home runs. Over the course of four innings, he gave up five runs, all of which were earned. Gabe Klobatis winds up giving up a run in an inning, but Andres Machado, Mason Thompson along with Ryan Harper and Kyle Finnegan all give you a scoreless setting up for the Washington Nationals. They do go 3-8 of eight with men in scoring position, but the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves was able hold up at the point of attack. Jesse Chavez does give up two runs in an inning, and Drew Smiley gives up three runs over the course of four innings, but Richard Rodriguez, Tyler Mazik, Luke Jackson, along with Will Smith, they all do their job. They all give you a scoreless inning, and for the team, winners of each out of their last five Drew Smiley starts, so the Braves have been getting very smiley with that. The Cincinnati Reds went to the road, and they wound up taking down the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 7-4. to A Phillies team that has been so different on the road. On the road, the Philadelphia Phillies sit with a record of 25-30 and and 36-25 and at home, but Aaron Supernola was not so super in this one. He gave up four runs and four and a third innings. From there, you wind up having Bailey Falter give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Hector Neris, Connor Brogdon, they combined for two innings. They combined to give up three runs, including a home run off of the arm of Hector Neris, and then Yel De Los Santos was able to give you a scoreless inning, but providing that home run for the Cincinnati Reds. Catcher Tyler Stevenson, his ninth of the season, and then Jonathan India was able to get a bomb of his own as he winds up going deep for the 15th time this season. 
Matthews. Sonny Gray, not necessarily his world's greatest start. Four and two-thirds innings. He winds up giving up three runs, but Lucas Sims, big addition for this bullpen. Gives you one and a third inning scoreless. Michael Lorenzen gives you a scoreless inning. Luis Sessa gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Michael Givens was able to give you a four-out save. And all of a sudden, the Cincinnati Reds have crept back into this NL wildcard hunt with the Padres having their trials and tribulations recently. The Royals have been having trials and tribulations all year long. They swept the Boston Red Sox to begin the year in Fedway. They got swept this weekend, though. 6-2, the Boston Red Sox get the win. Keegan Aiken lowered his ERA to an 8-13 as he gave up three runs over the course of four innings, including home run. You wind up having a scoreless inning out of a guy that they like in Marcos Plan. You had two scoreless innings out of a little bit of a newer guy as well in Connor Wade. I think that this might have been his first career appearance as Tanner Scott winds up giving you two-thirds of an inning out of the bullpen, but three runs and a third of an inning given up by Fernando Abad. And boy, was he Abad in this one as... For the Baltimore Orioles, they go 3 of 12 with men in scoring position, so they had their chances. They couldn't do a whole lot with them as Eduardo Rodriguez, perhaps his best home start of the season, gives up one under and run over the course of six innings. Adam Bonavino gives up a run in a third of an inning, but Garrett Woodlock gives you five outs without giving up a run, and Matt Barnes able to close things out in the ninth inning. And for the Boston Red Sox, it was J.D. Martinez going deep for them, his 23rd home run season. So the Red Sox badly needed some wins. Good news is, Orioles wound up coming to down. The Cleveland Indians, they took it to the Detroit Tigers by a count of 11-0. I am not sure why he wound up getting the start, but the Detroit Tigers gave Drew Hutchinson the start, and he got destroyed. He got five outs. He winds up giving up six runs. Now, only two of them were earned. He winds up having Jonathan Scope and Grayson Griner commit errors on him. That really hurt him. Ian Crow from there, he gets four outs, and he gives up five runs, four of which were earned. From there, Derek Holland, three squirrel sayings out of the bullpen. Iudasa Moramiras, two squirrel sayings of Joey Men a squirrel setting, but nothing doing for the Detroit Tigers as the Cleveland Indians very nearly had a no-hitter from Tristan McKenzie in this one. Gives up one hit, 11 strikeouts in 8 innings. Didn't even issue a walk, so he was impressive and Emmanuel Classe winds closing things out in the ninth inning and Jose Ramirez was able to provide his 26th home run season as the team went 7-16 of 16 with men in scoring position, so it all went right for the Cleveland Indians on Sunday. Things nearly went wrong if you wound up having the under in Yankees versus White Sox, but the Yankees did just enough to be able to hold on to that under 5-3. The final is Nestor Cortez. Six innings and he gives up one run. That one run was a solo run going deep for the White Sox. Mr. Andrew Vaughn is 14th home run season and for Lucas Giolito only goes four innings in this one giving up three runs, two of which were earned including home run. Going deep for the Yankees. Mr. Rudnett Odor is 14th home run season and then Luke Voigt in the ninth inning provides insurance off of Matt Foster. His fifth home run season for Foster gives up two runs in his inning. He's now got a 5.67 ERA but a rough year from Aaron Bummer, Jose Ruiz provided combined three scoreless innings, and Ryan Tapera was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the White Sox, two of six with Ben in scoring position as Lucas Lutke was sent in to try to close out the game, gave up two runs and a third of an inning. Wandy Peralta winds up getting the save as he got the final two outs, and then Steven Ridings, Jonathan Luizga both provide a scoreless inning for the Yankees, who took two of three from the White Sox in this Field of Dreams series. My New York Post late of the day was Kansas City Royals in. It was dead on impact as the St. Louis Cardinals took it to them by a count of 72 Cardinals get all of their runs in the first two innings as Chris with K. Bubich, a lot of pair of home runs. Tyler O'Neill gets his 20th home run season, and Nolan Arenado winds up getting his 25th for Jay App. He was certainly not appless in this one. Five and two-thirds innings scoreless. His first scoreless outing, I think, all year. From there, you wind up having one and a third innings out of the bullpen out of Luis Garcia. 
Justin Miller gives up two runs in an inning, including home run. That was to Salvador Perez, his 30th home run season, and TJ McFarland, a squirrel ascending, and for Chris with the K. Bubich, just a terrible start. Gives up seven runs, and he got four outs, giving up nine hits in the process. Just a complete and utter calamity there, but Irvin Santana, three scoreless innings. Wade Davis, Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Domingo Tapia, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. If you wound up having the over in this one, this was legitimately a really terrible beat, considering the Cardinals had a seventh spot in the second inning, so there was that. The Minnesota Twins, they took two of three from the Tampa Bay Rays. Five to four, they wind up getting the W. For the Rays, Luis Patino did not wind up providing a lot of length. Gives up two runs in three innings, which isn't too bad, but he provided five walks as well. Ryan Sheriff, Andrew Kittrich, they combine for an inning. Sheriff finds it giving up two runs in the process. From there, you wind up having two scoreless innings out of JT Chargois, along with Adam Conley, and then Matt Weisler, who has actually been solved for this team. He gives up the winning it in the ninth inning. As for the Tampa Bay Rays, they got a pair of home runs. Wonder Franco, his sixth home run of the season. Mike Zanino, his 25th. As for the Minnesota Twins, they wind up going two of eight with in scoring position, but they actually got a very good start out of Charlie Barnes. He winds up giving up just one run over the course of five innings. From there, things got airy. Edgar Garcia gives up two runs in an inning tied Duffy along with Caleb Theobar. They combined for two innings, giving up one under run in the process, hurt by an Andrelton Simmons fielding error, but Alex Colomay gets the W with a scoreless ninth inning, so Twins were able to get online. Speaking of being able to get online, the Texas Rangers offense this weekend against the Oakland A's, 7-4 the final. This is a Rangers team in which they're averaging right around 2.6 runs per game ever since the All-Star break, but they wound up in this series being able to go off for a combined 18 runs in three games, so we're seeing a little bit of something there for the A's. Chaminade, just an absolutely terrible start. Considering the opponent, this was his worst start of the year. Gives up seven runs over the course of five innings, including not one, not two, but three home runs. Adolis Garcia, his 26th home run season, and then DJ Turn It Up Peters, his third and fourth of the season, but his third in this weekend, so he wound up being able to really go off in this series. Colby Allard, he winds up giving up three runs in six and a third innings, including a pair of home runs, but was finally able to get a W going deep for the Oakland A's in this one. Matt Chapman, 17th home run of the season. Mark Canna, his 12th. Birch Smith along Jake Diekman provide three scoreless innings for the Oakland A's out of the bullpen and for the Texas Rangers. Spencer Penn gave up a run in an inning, but Joe Barlow now has a 0-61 ERA. He's becoming the team's closer. Scoreless inning for him. Brett Martin was able to provide a pair of outs as well. And if you're looking for an out and you're on a losing streak, the perfect team to play right now, the Chicago Cubs. The Miami Marlins get a 4-1 win over the Cubs, who have just been absolutely terrible ever since they wound up throwing that combined no-hitter. At the time of that combined no-hitter, the team was 42-33, and so they were nine games above 500. Ever since then, they have won 10-35. and Sad face here. You've got the Cubs getting a home run off the bat of Frank Schwindel to give them their only run of the game. Fifth home run season as Eliezer Hernandez wound up getting the start for the Miami Marlins. And he goes five and a third innings, giving up just one run. This was just his third start of the season and his first one in seemingly an eon. So very good to see that. Paul Campbell from there gives you two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Richard Blyer, two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Anthony Bass gives you four outside the bullpen. And Dylan Floro winds up getting a save with a scoreless setting. And pair of home runs for the Miami Marlins in this one. Jazz Chislam, he was able to get his 12th home run season and Asus Aguiar is 22nd and as Alec Mills goes five and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs in the process. Adam Morgan was able to give you an out out of the bullpen, but then you wind up having Jake Jewell along with Trevor McGill combined for an inning, and they both wound up giving up a combined two runs. From there, you wind up having Ryan Messenger give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen, but certainly been rough sledding for the Chicago Cubs, and it's been rough sledding if you've been taking underdogs by and large for the season, but over the last 48 hours, underdogs have been a little bit better, but still, over the last seven days, 
favorites. 62 and 30 inning at a 67.4% clip. Home teams in that time span, by the way, 43 and 49, so it's not been great. It's been much better for home teams overall for the year. 964 and 798. And if you're looking over the last 30 days, when it comes to home teams, they went 217 and 188, so only about a 53.6% hit rate. If you're looking at overs and unders over the last 30 days, 195 unders and 190 overs. So we've seen quite a few unders recently. If you're looking a little bit more recently, the last seven days, it's a little bit more to the over 48 overs and 41 unders, but overall for the year, overs have a little bit of a lead on unders, 848 and 837. And if you're looking for the season, favorites, 1,039 and 707. That is a 59.5% clip. And if you're looking just at the last 30 days, favorites hitting at about 61% at 245 and 157. So that is what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Sunday, and that's what we're all seeing in general. Coming in next, let's turn the page forward to Monday. Let's take a look at some of these playoff races, and let's take a look at the Monday betting board with our good buddy Jeff Parles of the Vegas Hats and Information Network. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We're back in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by our guest as Jeff Parles does a little bit of everything over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. I would call him a five-tool player, but I think that he's hosted more than five shows for VSIN over the last three days, so... I think we might need to call him like a six-tool player, perhaps a seven-tool player, but he fills it up whenever he's on this podcast as he does a great job doing a little bit of everything, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at Easy Enough. His name, Jeff Parles, and that is Jeff with a J, not a G-E. And Jeff, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Greg, and let's do some math real quick. A numbers game, betting across America, primetime action, my guys in the desert, the nightcap, Green Zone and Met Center. I guess that's seven tool, right? Oh, yes. That makes you a <laughs> seven tool player. I wouldn't doubt if it becomes eight soon, perhaps nine, but you always do a great job. You're doing this podcast, so that's another one. There we go. But what I do think is so interesting is so many of these postseason races, as we know, the Mets wind up getting swept against the LA Dodgers, and their prize is going out west to face off against the San Francisco Giants. So, You've got a lot going on there. And I was talking about this on VSIN yesterday. If you're looking to dive in on some of the futures when it comes to to win the division, to make the playoffs, some of these that you're able to bet out there on the East Coast, because West Coast, unfortunately, you really don't have too many of these options. I think that the best thing you can do is just take a look at some of the remaining schedules. Because if you like the Philadelphia Phillies, they've got a whole bunch of games coming up with the Arizona Diamondbacks to close out August. You probably want to be digging them right now, unless if you think that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be able to rise up and win a bunch of these games. Meanwhile, if you like a team like the Atlanta Braves, like the New York Mets, that have a little bit of a tougher stretch, not so much a Braves as much as the Mets, you probably want to be holding off because you've got to think that for the Mets, things are going to be easier for them once September is rather than right now, whereas the Phillies, they've got the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, well, you've got the Mets facing up against the San Francisco Giants and Kevin Gosman on Monday. Yeah, so the Mets missed two really good opportunities to actually win a game in that series against the Dodgers. They got Friday and Saturday night to extra innings. Friday, a pretty questionable decision to let Familia pitch 
for his third straight day, and Will Smith hit one basically to the chop shops. Oh, actually, no, that would be the parking lot out in left field. If he hit one to right field, it would be the chop shops there in Flushing. And then Saturday, look, Greg, our thinking always with those extra innings is you give up one in the top half, you should have a realistic chance to at least basically like a match play in golf. All right, he made his par putt. Let's make our par putt on the other end, half the hole, and go to the next one. And the Mets didn't get the run against Bickford and Knable on Saturday, and then, of course, got blasted on Sunday. Carlos Carrasco's pitched really poorly since coming off the IL for the Mets. And look, their reward is a no-off day, and they get the Giants, who obviously have been spectacular this year. And we talked about it on Saturday. Both of us agree. We both think the Giants are going to hold on and win that division at this point. And They've given us no reason to think they won't. For the Phillies, look, the Diamondbacks had their best series of the entire year, basically, this past weekend <laughs> against San Diego. But look, we talked about this. Even though the Braves are entering the week in first place, I'm not buying them still. I don't think they're that good. And I think the Phillies have the best top-of-the-line starting pitching. And with the Grom out, they probably have the best starting pitching of these three teams in the race in the NL East. And they have a lineup that is really darn good, especially with the best hitting catcher in baseball in Real Muto, and Bryce Harper, who I think is the NL MVP at this moment. Again, Tatis could win that award very easily, but I would give it to Harper at the moment. But look, in the end, whenever that series starts, play the run and a half maybe, but you're looking at not the greatest of price, but look, the Mets against Gosman, we've talked about that too. Kevin Gosman, to me, is the best opportunity to win an individual award for a player on the Giants, and Gosman's been great. And again, scheduling didn't help the Mets. And again, I'm not going to bet that game, but I sure as heck wouldn't bet the Mets on that one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Mets because Rich Hill, ever since he's come over to the team from Tampa Bay, he hasn't necessarily been so good. He looks like the oldest starting pitcher in the big leagues, which he currently is, as we do have Jeff Farles joining me on the podcast. Speaking of not looking very good, that was the San Diego Padres until Sunday. They get back Fernando Tatis Jr. He gives the team multiple home runs, but the crack research of myself dug up that the Colorado Rockies are 8-8 eight and eight so far this year against the San Diego Padres, and the Padres actually have a losing record against the Arizona Diamondbacks, as strange as that is to say, but going to be Ryan Weathers going for the Padres, Antonio Sensatella going for the Colorado Rockies. Am I crazy to think that there's some value here with the Colorado Rockies? They've actually got the second-best home record in the National League. Now, road record is a completely different story, but for Ryan Weathers, ever since the beginning of the month of July, this is a man that has pitched 26 innings. He's given up 26 runs. This is a Padres team that is coming off of utilizing a bullpen game. Weathers doesn't give you a lot of length to start with. There's not much of a reason for me to take the San Diego Padres in the spot other than to say they should be able to bust out because they wound up losing to a poopy Arizona Diamondbacks team for the last few days. Well, look, the other thing too, Greg, is I'm pretty certain on this. The last series in Colorado for San Diego, that was a sweep. Yep. Rocky swept them. And that was when, even though... Again, we've talked about the road-home splits for Colorado a lot. They're comical what the home-road <laughs> splits for the Rockies are this year. But look, Colorado, as you said, they were a legitimate home team. They've been really good. And the oddest part of it all, Greg, is they've actually pitched all right at home, which is something that, of course, you never think of a team being able to pitch well at Coors Field. But the Rockies pitchers, especially their starters, have been better at Coors Field than away from Coors Field, which is completely backwards from what it's supposed to be. What's the total right now in this game? Got to be a 12, right? We're seeing 12, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that over. San Diego matches up well with Sanzatella, and I like Weather's stuff, but that feels like a position where Weathers is going to be bombarded. So I'd look to an over in that game as being my favorite play. Let's put it this way. Wouldn't bet the Padres here, Greg. 
Wouldn't bet the Padres in this game. Yeah, no, we're currently seeing them at minus 130-ish, seeing as high as minus 135, open up at minus 140. So I think a lot of people are in the camp of us too. And Jeff, I am currently in the camp of having no idea what we're going to be able to get out of Garrett Cole on Monday as he's going to be making his return off the COVID list. He is going to be going up against Jose Suarez and the LA Angels. For the Angels, it's really been a swoon for this offense. They've got the second fewest runs per game ever since the All-Star break. The only team that's been worse has been the lowly Texas Rangers. They busted out over the weekend against the Oakland A's, but that has been a dumpster fire and a half. But I take a look at this spot with the Yankees. Should they be a sizable favorite in this game against the LA Angels? Absolutely, especially with the Angels going west to east. But I don't think I want any part of laying right around a minus 240 with the Yankees and I am not very sure of that run line either because with the Yankees, they have just been allergic to getting outs in the ninth inning recently. How about we go with derivative market here real quick? I'm very interested to see what the price of run in the first inning is because Garrett Cole off of the COVID IL, that Otani guy is still going to play. Like he's going to lead off. This is a very rare second trip for a West Coast team to Yankee Stadium because of, again, the rain out after the absolute fiasco rainout disaster the Yankees had blew the eight-run lead and gave up the seven in the ninth inning, if you remember that, back in June. Oh, I- but look, I would see if the price in the first inning, four-run, yes, or over a half-run, if that price is minus 120 or better for you, I would take the yes there. I just think Cole will be shaky in the first inning. And we're not talking about an ace on the other side, obviously, and Mr. Suarez. For the Angels. So if you can get minus 120 or better, I would take the yes in the first inning in that one. Yeah, I don't blame you there. I'm not much of a run in the first inning, yes, no guy, but certainly you do pick up on some of these trends. And Garrett Cole has been shaky recently coming out of the gates with him coming off the COVID 19 list. You got to think that it might be a little bit tough for him moving forward. I personally am going to be taking the Angels on the money line in this spot as we do have our good buddy Jeff Farles of the Vegas Heads and Information Network joining me on the podcast. And there is one guy that is going on Monday that I think is being badly underpriced. That'd be Cal Quantra of the Cleveland Indians. Right now, we're finding the Indians right around a plus 110 in a lot of spots. I feel like the Indians should be a favorite with Quantrill. He has given up four earned runs in his last six starts. Now, Griffin Jacks, I give him credit. He has not been getting jacked up in his last four starts. Three runs or fewer given up in all four of them. One run given up in three out of those four. So he's been in better form. And the Indians, they haven't necessarily been able to pull through in a lot of Cal Quantrill starts. But I take a look at this spot. I still have more faith in the Indians' bullpen, one that got very well rested. Thanks to Tristan McKenzie absolutely dealing on Sunday. And I do the Minnesota Twins. I take a look at Quantrill, and I think that this is a guy that is really competing for a starting spot somewhere next year. I think that he's going to be able to continue the good run that he's been able to put together. Yeah, look, there were some odd prices over the weekend with the Twins' Rays series. Even though, again, the move on Saturday ended up working if you met the Twins. Very rare you're going to be able, even with the pitching mismatch that it ended up being, because Michael Walk is very bad, as we know, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Craig, I want to ask you a question real quick on this. Because the Twins have obviously been adjusted, because they've had a horrible year. But do you think the books have adjusted enough on what Minnesota actually is from where they were at the beginning of the year? Because this has obviously been a mess of a season for the Twins. Oh, and by the way, I agree with you on everything you said with Quantrill. I would only bet Cleveland in this game. But what are your thoughts there? Because that Minnesota team still, to me, from time to time, you see a line and it's like, wait a second, why is the line that? 
this team stinks and they're playing a team that's actually good. What I think is interesting is that I think that some of the pitchers are a little bit mispriced with the Minnesota Twins because I think that Kenta Maeda has really been able to come into his own. He's been relatively solid, but someone like a Bailey Ober, it feels like, has been getting overpriced. Griffin Jacks, I'm just not buying into his small sample size. He wound up in the first 17 and two-thirds innings of the season, giving up six home runs, and I don't think that the books are necessarily pricing the Cleveland Indians correctly as well because it feels like with the Cleveland Indians, you've got a couple guys that are able to do a relatively solid job for the team. Zach Plesak is a guy that I think could give you some good innings moving forward. Cal Quantrill has been able to give you some good innings. And then you wind up getting Sam Entages, and he's a complete and utter fade. Whenever you get John Carlos Mejia out there, if we wind up getting him again, he's going to be all aboard my fade train as well. So what I think is the case out there in the American League Central in general is that there's just a lot of interesting pricing when it comes to the actual pitching matchups themselves. That's why I asked you the question, Greg. You would know every bit as well as me. And look, it's obviously been a horrible season for Minnesota, and they have to go back to the drawing board next year because their quote-unquote championship window with this good team landed them exactly zero playoff wins, Greg. So back to the drawing board yet again for the Twinkies. Yeah, the Minnesota Twins have not necessarily been able to have a lot of postseason success. Have made the postseason in quite a few years. Obviously, they will not this year, but boy, oh boy, it has been a little bit of tough sledding. And when it comes to the Monday betting board, it is a little bit smaller than normal. But is there anything that we haven't talked about that you might be taking a look at, whether it be for a bet for today, something that you're looking at moving forward, anything really piquing your fancy? So, Greg, of course, you're talking about a Monday card that is shallow. So keep in mind here, don't force the action here if you don't have anything you really like. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm sure you'll say, Jeff, what are you doing? But let's go to Baltimore and Tampa Bay here real quick, where it's Colin McHugh and the all of a sudden pitching for his life, Matt Harvey, who's pitched pretty well recently. So I'm not saying bet your life savings or bet even. $50 on the Baltimore Orioles because their bullpen is horrid. But if you're giving me almost 250 on Matt Harvey, who's pitched well, I'll take a small piece. And when Tampa's up six to one in the third inning, I'll see it and I'll be like, well, this is just a bad bet, Jeff. Maybe you take a derivative first five and you don't even screw around with the Baltimore bullpen. But look, you're asking a really bad team to beat a really good team. And that usually does not go well for you when you have to ask that, Greg. Now, I will say this. With Colin McHugh, he's going to be serving pretty much as an opener. It's going to be Josh Fleming who is going to be used as a bulk guy. But Josh Fleming has not been good. Still okay with it, Greg. Absolutely. If you take a look at what Josh Fleming has done recently, he's been better whenever an opener has come in for him. To the Tampa Bay Rays credit, they seem to be the only team that has figured out how to properly use an opener because there were so many teams that they tried it in like 2019, 2020, and it just felt like every single time it completely exploded in their face, and it was always hilarious whenever it wanted to, but the Tampa Bay Rays have been smarter with that, but I'm right there with you. North of $2 on the Baltimore Orioles is a play for me with Matt Harvey, who wound up in three out of his first five starts coming out of the All-Star break, giving up zero runs in six-plus innings. That is pretty darn impressive. Not as impressive as Jeff Parles, though, a man that hosts literally everything over there at the Vegas Sense and Information Network. Does a terrific job whenever he joins this podcast, covers a little bit of everything. I know you're getting geared up for football season. I know that day in and day out, you do a great job on the MLB betting board as well. 
list goes on and on. So let the good people at home know what you've got going on for the next few weeks and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. At Jeff Parles on the tweets. Potentially some really fun stuff coming in the next few weeks. That's all I can say on it right now, Greg. Let's put it this way, Greg. There should be more of me on the network coming soon. Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. As we know, there's always a lot of announcements in the media world when it comes to the football season because, well, everything revolves around the football season. But on this podcast, everything revolves around making money on the MOB betting card. And Jeff does a great job of being able to help us out with that whenever he joins this podcast. Does a great job in general over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. So big thanks to Jeff for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time they give you a signed total on every game on the Monday MLB betting board and a little something like call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Jeff Parles. Does a great job over there at the Vegas Sats and Information Network on a wide variety of shows. Always brings it when he is on this podcast as well. Guy is just a wealth of information when it comes to all sports. So, good to be able to get Jeff on this podcast. Big thanks to him. Now, it is that time in the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something like call, touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScourty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas Station or this is where we go nationally games first then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. No interleague games today. No games in which we wind up getting a double dip or anything like that. So nice and conventional as we do begin with that first Ashley game. 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. We've got the Atlanta Braves hitting the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett is going to be going for the fish. Tricky Toussaint is going to be on the bump for the Bravos. The Bravos. And we're between minus 141 and minus 150 favorites. Meanwhile, on the fish, it is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 138. And your total on this game is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And for Braxton Garrett, it certainly has been a little bit of an up and down season for him, but. If you want up and down, take a look at Tuki Tucson. Hasn't necessarily made a whole bunch of starts so far this year for the Atlanta Braves. This is going to be start number six for him, but in his five starts, he has given up one, one, seven, three, and two runs. So it's been a little bit all over the place. He has actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. He has made two road starts in 12 and a third innings. Has given up in those starts four runs, three of which were earned. So it's been rock solid there. Has been giving up the deep ball a little bit. He's given up at least a home run in each out of his last four starts. And with the Miami Marlins, this is a bunch of which the offense has not necessarily been able to get going from. But with Braxton Garrett, you take a look at him recently. He has given up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. So has been very solid at being able to hold things down. And then you take a look at both bullpens. The Braves of Open has been in better recent form, but overall for the year, the Miami Marlins have actually been a little bit better with that regard as well. As you've got Dylan Floro who's been able to come in and give you some good innings. Anthony Bender is a guy that I like. Stephen O'Kurt and Richard Blyer have been able to come up with some good innings as well. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. You've been able to get A.J. Minter now off the injured list, so that is going to be good for them moving forward. Will Smith has really been getting jiggy with it recently, but you take a look at what you've been able to get out of someone like a Tyler Madzik. He's been relatively solid for this team. Even Luke Jackson is be able to give you some good innings. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves in general. 
That's the guys, everybody. We'll give you at least 16 home runs so far this year. Orde Soler, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson. With Swanson, along with Mr. Albies, anywhere between a 260 and a 265 batting average. With both of these gentlemen, Freddie Freeman, between a 290 and a 300. And with Freeman, right around a 390 on base. Orde Soler, hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. But he's been able to give between the Royals and the Braves about 10 home runs over the last 35 days. So he's been able to do a solid job there. Jack Peterson, able to right around 245, and then when you take a look at the Miami Marlins, it's all about Asus Aguiar at this point. 22 home runs, 270 batting average, north of 80 RBI. He has been able to do a tremendous job, but what else are you going to be able to get out of this team? Jazz Shislam has been able to hit right around a 255, along with Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson hitting more like a 250 himself. Oreo Faro, Mangolia Sierra, pair of guys hitting between a 235 and a 245, and then you've got a couple guys like a Lewis Brinson be able to emerge. Brinson is hitting about a 280, but certainly has been a light inning team. With the Miami Marlins, they've actually just, in terms of both home runs surrendered and home runs hit, had the fewest home runs in their home ballpark all year long, so I do think that that is going to keep the scoring down a little bit in this spot, which is why I want to make in this total 8.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under with the Marlins. I do need at least a plus 132 to be able to take a shot, and right now I'm seeing right around a plus 137 at Circus, so with the Atlanta Braves, I think that Tucson is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here than he's given in his last few, but at the same time, I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in him. He's shown a little bit of shakiness, so I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the fish to go along with this total under. 953-954 on the bang board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're going to be playing out the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs. Wade Miley open to have a party in Cincinnati for the Reds who find themselves as big fat favorites here. Anywhere between minus 217 and minus 235. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cubs, anywhere between plus 190 and plus 205. Total game is 9. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And for Justin Seal, you want to making his first start of the season against the Milwaukee Brewers a few days ago. And this is someone that they're going to be looking to stretch him out a little bit. They did that in the minors, but across long relief and starts. He's given up right around two home runs per nine innings and in that start against the Brewers. Wasn't terrible, wasn't great. Did wind up giving up two home runs in five innings, but only three total runs, so you could have had worse. You could be having the guy that they wanted for leasing in Jake Arrieta. Meanwhile, you take a look at Wade Miley, and he's been pretty darn outstanding at home, especially with Cincinnati being so hitter-friendly. 6-2 record in Cincinnati across Cincinnati so far this year. Four home runs surrendered at 59 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine, that is hovering right around about a 2.3 Opponents are rating about a 260 off of them, but keep in mind, this is a Cubs bunch in which Wilson Contreras is right now a little bit banged up from. He's been in and out of the fold. Rafael Ortega, along with Frank Schwindel, are hitting above a 300, but really, aside from Matt Duffy, he's hitting about a 250. You don't have much else. Robinson Chirinos has been able to do 83, but that is in a very small sample size. You've got the Romines in the lineup. Patrick Wisdom, he has been able to deliver 18 home runs so far this season, but you take a look at Patrick Wisdom, and here in the month of August, he's got two home runs. He has really been starting to slow down, and this is a bullpen of the Cubs, in which is absolutely terrible. Craig Kimbrell along with Ryan Tapera being traded. That is very tough. You've got Andrew Trafin now out of the fold as well. So guys like Rowan Wick, Adam Morgan, Ryan Messenger. You're looking at these guys for high leverage situations and that is not what you want. Meanwhile, the Reds the bullpen is still far from tremendous, and he did wind up using up Luis Sessa along with Michael Givens yesterday, but Lucas Sims, though he was used up yesterday, he has been able to come off the injured list, has been able to give this team a couple good innings. You take a look at some of the guys that were not used up yesterday, Sean Doolittle has been starting to come into his own a little bit. Ethan Embry, certainly a little bit up and down, but even Justin Wilson, ever since getting traded from the Yankees, he's been able to give you a little bit of something. And then with the red legs, you've got a quadrant of guys with at least 18 home runs so far this year. Nick Cassianos, Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, 
along with Enyo Hino Suarez. Suarez is hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but Cassianos along with Winker. Pair of guys hitting north of a 305. Jonathan India has got right around a 400 on base for the team. For Joey Votto, I believe that he's currently got 15 home runs ever since the All-Star break. It has been absolutely insane to watch him go. Now, when it comes to the money line in the spot, I wound up saying the Reds more in that neighborhood of about a minus 215, so that makes it a little bit of a recipe situation on the money line, but as you know, in these spots, typically you're not laying the money line unless you feel really, really good about it, and this being like a really low-scoring game, I did wind up saying the total at 9.9, .9, so I do take a look at this spot, and I do like the over, and when it comes to the run line, you're seeing the Reds right around a minus 115, seeing as bad as minus 125, but mostly minus 115 to minus 120, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 130, so you're going to take the Reds on the run line to go along with the total over. 955, 956 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing us the Salam Diego Padres. Ryan Weathers is going to be going for the pods. Meanwhile, Antonio Santatella is going to be on the one for the Rockies. Rockies find themselves anywhere between plus 115 and plus 123. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the pods, anywhere between minus 129 and minus 135. 12 is your total over and under. And between minus 105 and minus 115. For Weathers, ever since the beginning of the month of July, it has been ghastly bad from. Since the beginning of that month, he has pitched 26 innings, and he has given up 26 earned runs. That is a 9 ERA. In the beginning months of the season, he was able to do a very solid job, but this is a guy that doesn't get a lot of swings and misses to start with. Colorado is very good at not striking out at him, and then you just take a look at the stuff in general. Big, giant, precipitous fall-off. He's given up right around 1.7-ish home runs per 9 innings. Meanwhile, for Antonio Sensatel, give him credit. He gives up right around 0.75-ish home runs per nine innings. He's just so much better at home than he is on the road. Road ERA is a 580. 0-6 record and 8 stars. At home, the record is 2-3, but a 404 ERA. Bones starting at 274 off of him at Coors. Meanwhile, 335 on the road, which that makes no sense, but in Coors Field, he's only given up four home runs in 64 and two-thirds innings now. The Padres do have that man for Daniel Tatis Jr. back in the fold. We wound up hitting a pair of home runs yesterday, but this is also a Padres team that they have been struggling on the road. You do have a couple guys that do just an absolutely amazing, not just a good job, an amazing job of getting on base. Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Eric Osmer only between a 275 and a 280, and then you've got Adam Frazier hitting a 315 with Machado. 21 home runs so far this year. He certainly has been able to come through. Cronenworth Worth. Now up to 17 home runs as well. Even guys like a Victor Carantini, a Trent Grisham have been able to get on base. And I do give Tommy Pham some credit right around a 350 on base. But then you take a look at this Rockies team, and you've just got to be looking at this offense so differently home to road. On the road, this team is generating the fewest runs per game. They've been absolutely terrible. Fewest home runs per contest. Worst batting average at home. This is a team that is collective as the best batting average in all the big leagues. As their home batting average is a 285 for CJ Krohn. He's had 15 out of his 19 home runs so far this season. Come at Coors Field, you've been able to have Trevor Story hit eight bombs and hit a 313 when he's been home. Connor Joe has been absolutely amazing in Coors Field. Hitting a 370, these are just home numbers and home numbers only. CJ Krohn winds up having his batting average go up to about a 300. Ryan McMahon hitting about a 295 whenever he's at home as well. And then with the Colorado Rockies, this bullpen is absolutely terrible. They're in the bottom three in the big leagues of pretty much every bullpen category. But Carlos Estevez has been a little bit better at Coors Field. You've been able to get a little bit of something even out of Lucas Gilbreth as well. I do like what I've seen out of Daniel Bard. He's been able to give the team 19 saves so far this season. Tyler Kenley, certainly not a guy that I have a lot of faith in. And Robert Stevenson wound up getting used up yesterday. But this is a team that has been able to do solid there. And for the Padres, you got the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues. No question that's very solid. But with all these injury issues, you Darvish now being on the injured list, having to use Craig Salmon as an opener. They've also used their bullpen for the most innings. And they really didn't pick up a lot of the trade 
trade deadline, they were able to get in Danny Hudson and fresh off the injured list is Matt Stram, but they are dealing with a bunch of guys that they've been used up time and time again. It's Belkers, Matt, Austin Adams. These guys have been relatively solid, but this is a Colorado Rockies team that they are just so much better when they are at Coors Field. Their home record is in the top three in terms of National League teams, in terms of win percentage at 38-21. and 21. They've been absolutely incredible at home so far this season. I think that only the San Francisco Giants have a better win percentage at home so far this year in the National League and might even be the big leagues in general. So I do think that you've got to be looking at this team so differently when they are at Coors Field. Getting the plus price here, I like that because I wound up saying this as a little bit more of a pick and price. I do think that 12 is a little bit too high here. I wound up saying this total more in the neighborhood of about an 11. So we're going to be taking the under and I'm going to be going with the Rockies. 957-958 on the bang board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Antes. Rich Hill is going to be on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are framing themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 160 and plus 167 on the Giants. Anywhere between minus 174 and minus 190 is their price. 8.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. For Kevin Gosman, he certainly has had his struggles recently. You take a look at what he wound up doing in the month of July. Wound up having a little bit north of a 5 ERA in two starts here in the month of August. He's given up a combined two earned runs over the course of 11 innings, but I discount those a little bit because they were against, well, the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, he was certainly able to get right there, and I do think that he's going to be able to take it to a Mets offense that they're in the bottom five in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game. They have been able to get quite a bit of something out of Pete Alonso. Give him credit for hitting 24 home runs so far this year. His batting average is hovering right in the neighborhood of about a 250. And then you've also got Dom Smith, Jonathan VR hitting between a 245 and a 255 as well. Brandon Nimmo at the top has been able to hit a 280. But this is a team that they are now dealing with the injury to Javi Baez. You just have not been able to get anything out of Michael Conforto so far this year. You're dealing with a whole bunch of injuries still, even though you have had quite a few reinforcements come back. And for the Mets, they wound up having to burn through their bullpen yesterday as well, which is not necessarily too terrific now. They wind up using not one, but two position players to get through that ninth inning. And Brandon Drury along with Kevin Pillar to pitch, but certainly not an ideal situation. Aaron Loop is someone that I do think that there's going to be a regression with. You've got a guy like a Miguel Castro who's been able to do relatively solid along with Edwin Diaz, but it's still one of these situations in which I think that they're going to sink back a little bit. Meanwhile, you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. You did wind up using up Jake McGee yesterday, but this is a bunch of which you've had guys like Zach Liddell be able to step up. Jarlon Garcia has done a nice job. Jose Alvarez has an ERA right around a 2-4. And with the San Francisco Giants, this is just a lineup in which you've got a bunch of balanced power. You don't have a single guy on this team that has more than 19 home runs so far this year, but when it comes to total home runs, they're in the top three in the big leagues. Most home runs when they're on the road as Darren Ruff, Austin Slater, Brandon Belt, Lamont Wade, along with Wilmer Flores, Buster Posey, Chris Bryant, Brandon Crawford, Mike Ustremski. All these guys have between 13 and 19 home runs so far this year. And aside from Ustremski, Crawford, and obviously Brian who is with the Cubs, between 13 and 15. So it's just everyone that is getting the job done. Posey is hitting right around at 330 for this bunch. You've got Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Belt, a whole bunch of guys in between about a 245 to a 255. So these are guys that just really know how to get the job done with Rich Hill. This is someone that ever since getting traded to the Mets has 
has not necessarily been too terrific for them. He has made four starts for them. He has won five innings or fewer in every one of them. He's given up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. The Tampa Bay Rays did a really good job of just knowing how to utilize him. And now that he's away from the Rays, I think that he's really going to start to sink back down. He's given up right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine hovering in that neighborhood of three and a half. I think that the Giants should be able to get the job done here in convincing fashion. Wound up making the Giants on the money line more around about a minus 183-ish favorite. If you're looking at the run line, you're getting a plus price. And we're between plus 105 and plus 115. Pretty much as long as I was laying less than minus 110, I was willing to take it. So we're going to be taking a look at the Giants on the run line. Set this all at 7.3 as well. I think that the Mets get all down. So taking the under along with that Giants run line. 959-960 on the betting board. You have the Pittsburgh Pirates paying a visit to the LA Dodgers. For the Dodgers, it is good old to be determined. Was seen before David Price. So I'm going to be setting my line accordingly as of right now. If I see something in the morning, obviously, I will be changing that. But I'm assuming David Price. Meanwhile, Steven Baralt is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. One place currently has this with a line, and that would be DraftKings. And they set the Pirates as a plus 290 underdog. Minus 380 on the LA Dodgers. Set on this game is 9. Under is minus 120. And the over is even. For one, if it does wind up being Brault versus Price, set this all at 8.7. So 9 or higher going to be taking a look at the under. At 8.5 or higher, I'd be entertaining the over. But with the Pittsburgh Pirates, assuming it is Brault versus Price, we'd be taking them as long as I'm getting a plus 230 or greater. So this would certainly fit the bill there because with David Price, he's actually pitched halfway decent as a starter. This is someone that... As a starter, his ERA actually falls a little bit from his 360 overall for the year. I think that it's more like a 350 whenever he's been a starter. So similar numbers, but a bit better. He's been having a better job of being able to control contact in general. Still only getting right around 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. His home runs per 9 rate, a little bit above 1. Giving up right around 2.2 walks per 9 innings. But here's the thing, too. The team is 3-6 and six in his 9 starts. And he's probably not going to be going north of, I would say, 5 and a third. Maybe you get 6 innings. If you're really, really lucky, but Justin Brule's coming out of the bullpen of this team. They did wind up getting a big lead, so they were able to use guys like Darian Nunez and company Edwin. You said it wound up getting used up, but Alex Vesia has been used up quite a bit by the team. Corey Knable is just coming off the injured list, so he needs to sort out some of the kinks. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this has actually been a halfway respectable bullpen. You've been able to get some good innings out of David Bernard, Jason Shreve, Chris Strand. These guys have been relatively solid. Then you take a look at Mr. Stephen Brault. You go back to the 2020 season. I'm not saying he was a Cy Young candidate or anything like that, but he was halfway decent for this team, and so far this year, he's only wound up making two starts, but he's looked serviceable in nine innings. He's given up three runs. I think that in that time span, he has only given up one walk as well, so he's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. In 2020, he wound up making one long relief appearance and ten starts. Only a 1-3 record, but a 3-30-80 ERA. Walks were a little bit of an issue for him, but that's more or less because he's not necessarily the highest strikeout guy, but he's someone that's able to come in and he's able to give you a serviceable start. With the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's really all about Brian Reynolds here. When it comes to the offense, he's been able to above a 321 home runs as well. But you do wind up getting back in Ben Gamble. So this is someone that for the year has been able to right around a 260. Cabrian Ace is hitting more in the pocket of a 255. Hoy Park sitting right around 265 as well. So that's come around for the seam. And you get Colin Moran off the injured list. 340 on base, 275 batting average. Had a multi-home run game last week as well. Now, you got guys like Rodolfo Castro, Gregory Palanco, Kaye Tom. You're able to throw in there Michael Perez. A whole bunch of guys in at 215 or lower. And then you take a look at the Dodgers. They were able to get 
back. Justin Turner down for what yesterday? And he was able to have a nice home run. Max Muncy obviously has 20-plus bombs. He's got a non-base percent right around a 400. So he certainly has been able to do his part. You take a look at Cody Bellinger. Has had a rough year to this point, but has been able to come around a little bit more recently. Will Smith, he really got jiggy with it out there in New York. He wound up having a home run in all three games of that series. So you've got a lot of firepower when it comes to Dodgers in the lineup. But I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to hold down the 40 or a little bit. Keep in mind, the Dodgers have to go from east to west, much like the Pittsburgh Pirates are doing. So there's going to be actually a little bit more rest for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I do like fading some of those teams that come off of Sunday Night Baseball. They always seem to be a little bit more tired. So like I said, setting the solo 8.7. So on the 9 that we're seeing right now at DraftKings, I'd be taking the under and I would certainly be taking the Pirates at a plus 290 as I'm willing to take a plus 230 or greater if it does wind up being Brolt versus Price. 961-962 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road face off against the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yankees. Jose Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Angels, big underdogs here. Anywhere between plus $2 and plus $2.25. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Yankees, going to be getting them as high as minus $2.55, as good as a minus $2.39. And your tallest game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. On the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 130. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 110. For Suarez, it has been certainly trials and tribulations ever since he has come out of the bullpen. He's got a north of 5 ERA for his career as a starter and as a reliever coming out of the bullpen. He had a buck 97 ERA, so he was really cooking with some gas. You take a look at his last start. That was another one in which he wound up giving up a bunch of runs. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts. If you're looking overall at his last three starts, he has given up a combined 15 runs, so it certainly has been tough for him with that regard. It's not necessarily giving up the home run ball. Right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, but the question becomes what are we going to be able to get out of Garrett Cole? Because prior to coming down with COVID-19, he was not looking so good himself. He wound up giving up three-plus runs in three out of his last five starts. Now, he was facing off against the Rays. He wound up facing off against the Houston Astros, Red Sox twice. So, it's not like he was playing a bunch of cupcakes. But certainly a case in which I think that Garrett Cole might not be able to give his usual 100-plus pitches, six-plus innings. So, that is something that needs to be factored in because the Yankees have been shaky late in the bullpen. You got Zach Britton no longer wanting to close out games. Chad Green has not been the answer for this team. Jonathan the Wise Guy is actually someone that I really do like. Lucas Lugy has been up and down for this bunch as right around a 3-2 ERA for the year, but seems like whenever you put him in a high leverage spot, it's not necessarily gone well for you. Steven Ridings actually might be one of your more trustworthy relievers. And for the Yankees, you have been able to get Joey Gallo to go deep a couple times for this team. He and Aaron Judge between a 370 and 375 on base. Both of these guys, 25-plus home runs. Giancarlo Sen has been able to provide a 260 batting average, but he's got four home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July. You've had your trials and tribulations with guys like Kyle Agashioka, Rudnett Odor. You were able to throw in there the new shortstop in Andrew Velasquez, hitting a 225 or lower along with Brett Gardner. And then you take a look at the Angels. Shoy Otani certainly leads the league with his 39 home runs, but that's been a little bit tough sliding for him recently. Jared Walsh being back at the fold should be able to give him a little bit of production. He's hitting right around 265 and for Walsh, he was badly missed when he was on the injured list. 22 home runs. The offense has been able to reignite ever since he's come back in the fold. Jose Iglesias, a 
along with Mr. Otani, both hitting right around 270 for this bunch. And then you've got Justin Upton, who prior to going on the injured list in June, was having himself a heck of a month with right around a 400 on base. Since he's come off the injured list, he's been hitting about a buck fifty. So it certainly has been ups and downs there with the Angels. This is not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen. You've had Rossi Iglesias do very good things for the team, but he wound up getting used up yesterday. You were looking at guys like James Hoyt, Steve Ciszek and company to give you some solidity, but at the same time, there's a lot of question marks as to what you're going to be able to get out of Garrett Cole. Should the Yankees be a favorite and a pretty sizable favorite here? Yes, but at the same time, I was willing to take the Angels as long as I was able to get at least a plus 190. Seeing north of $2, I'm going to take a shot here, and when it comes to this total, set it at 8.6 as well as the Angels have certainly slowed down a little bit with their offense. The Yankees, they have been a little bit up and down themselves, so seeing the nines, I'm going to be taking a nine under personally, and I'm going to wind up taking the plus price here with the Angels. 963, 964 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing those to the Baltimore Orioles. Matt Harvey going to be going for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Colin McHugh is going to be getting the start for the Tampa Bay Rays. With the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 235 and a minus 265. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, anywhere between plus 190 and plus 237. Your total on this game is anywhere between 8 and 9. At DraftKings, the 8 has juice of minus 125 to the over. Under is plus 105. Meanwhile, on the nines, you're finding the under at minus 120 and the over at even. Let me tell you right now, I wish I had access to that 8 out here in Las Vegas because I like the total over. I wound up setting it at 9.1, so that is where I'm going to be looking with regards to the total, but I do feel like Matt Harvey is starting to turn a corner a little bit. He did wind up having a little bit lesser success in his last two starts rather than his first three starts coming out of the All-Star break in which he gave up a combined zero runs across 18 and a third innings. You figured things were going to dry up, but even in the last two starts. He gave up a combined five runs and two home runs over the course of nine innings. It certainly is not great, but he has looked much better recently. I will give him that. Meanwhile, you take a look at McHugh. He's probably going to give you right around three innings in this spot. You take a look at him. He's been used as a long reliever all year long. His longest appearance is three innings, and I believe that he's made a starter or two, so you've got to be expecting that. I know that they've been using Josh Fleming as a bulk guy. It was looking like he was going to get the start here. I would not doubt it if they wind up bringing in Josh Fleming as a bulk guy, because whenever they use him, out of the bullpen. His ERA is a full run to run and a half point lower, so I do think that that is going to be the plan of attack for the Tampa Bay Rays. Get a couple innings out of McHugh, and then you wind up bringing in Josh Fleming. That just seems to be where he's most successful, and for the Rays, this is a team that they did wind up taking a pair of losses in Minnesota, but by and large, the offense is still very good for the team. you got Mike Zanino with 25 arm runs, and then you've got Nelson Cruz along with Brandon Lau, and you're able to throw in there Austin Meadows as well as a trio that also has 20-plus home runs so far this year. Randy Orozarena, along with Nelson Cruz, both in between a 270 and a 275. Throwing their Joey Wendell as well. And with Orozarena, his 350 on base has been very good for this team. You've been able to have quite a few guys do a good job of being able to get on base. Manuel Margot, along with Wander Franco, hitting between a 245 and a 255. You're able to throw on their Yandy Diaz, along with G-Man Choi, and both of those guys right around a 360 on base. With the Rays, they are a little bit banged up in the bullpen as J.P. Fireisen is currently on the injured list along Pete Fairbanks, but Lewis Head has been able to give this team some very good innings. Looks like he might be a little bit banged up as well, but you've got Andrew Kittrich still. Matt Weisler has been able to do a very good job. JT Chargois as well. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Baltimore Orioles and well, it's been a hot mess for the bullpen to say the least. They are one of the worst bullpens that you are ever going to find, but Tanner Scott along with Cole Solzer. pair of guys are able to give you some good innings. With Scott, he was used up yesterday, but for fewer than 20 pitches, so might be able to come back in this one. You've got a guy in Cesar Valdez who has certainly been up and down as well, but you take a look at the 
this Baltimore Orioles team. I do recognize that Ryan Mountcastle has been dealing with injury, but you've got Austin this A's kid, Trey Boombo Mancini, along with Anthony Santander. In between a 242 and a 253 with Trey Boombo Mancini along with Cedric Mullins. Both of these guys have been able to give you 20 home runs so far this year. Ramon Odias is hitting a 265 for this team. You've had a pair of guys in Ode Mateo along with Pedro Severino. In between a 230 and a 240. Now, the slugs in this lineup like DJ Stewart, Mikel Franco, Ryan McKenna, you're able to throw in their awesome wins. Guys like this have been hitting a 215 or lower, but then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, and they too have a couple of deficiencies when it comes to some of their home run hitters of just not hitting above a 215 for the team, like Mike Zanino and company. So I do think that you're going to be able to get a halfway decent start here out of Matt RV. I think that McHugh going to be able to do a serviceable job as a starter, but I've not liked the recent form of Josh Fleming as well. This is a bullpen that has been banged up for the Tampa Bay Rays, so I was willing to take the Orioles as long as I was getting north of a plus 165, we are certainly well and clear of that. And also made this old 9.1. So going Orioles along the over in this spot. 965, 966 on the betting board. You've got the Kansas City Royals. They're going to be playing also Houston Astros. Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Strohs. Cesar Hernandez is going to be on the bump for the Royals. Your total on this game is anywhere between 10 and 10 and a half. On the 10, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. On the 10 and a half, under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. On the Houston Astros, anywhere between minus 156 and minus 165 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Kansas City Royals, getting them anywhere between a plus 140 and a plus 152. I was willing to take the Royals as long as I was getting north of a plus 150, so we are barely in on their money line as you take a look at Carlos Hernandez, and he had a couple rough starts to begin the year, but over his last three starts, he has really been able to do a good job. Five, six, and six and two-thirds innings, giving up a combined two runs to the White Sox twice and the New York Yankees. So he has been more than serviceable for the team all year long. He's given up four home runs in 46 innings. So right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Now, the walks per nine, you're right around 4.9-ish there, but he has been able to do a very good job for the team. Meanwhile, you take a look at Jake Odorizzi, five and six record, 459 ERA. He comes in having had a very good start against the Colorado Rockies. Five scoreless there, but as we know, the Rockies on the road. They just forget how to hit. Prior to that, Three plus runs given up in each out of his previous four starts. You take a look at Mr. Odorizzi on the road, and he's got a 5'11 ERA. 4 and 3 record, but in eight starts, he's given up nine home runs over the course of 37 innings. Opponents are only hitting a 213 off of him, but he's also issuing, in terms of walks per nine innings, right around a 3.3 as well. With the Kansas City Royals, you do have a couple guys. They're able to do a very good job of being able to get on base for you guys. You've got Whit Merrifield along with Enzer Alberto, Salvador Perez, and Nicky Lopez. Lying between a 266 and a 277 for Mr. Perez. Now, 30 home runs so far this year and 75 RBI, so he's been able to supply the boom. Andrew Benatendi are able to throw in there Michael Taylor and you've got a little bit of a new infielder in Emmanuel Rivera, are all hitting between a 246 and a 260, so been able to have a little bit of a sign of life there now with the Royals. The bullpen has been a little bit of a hot mess and it got used up badly yesterday. As Chris with K. Bubich only gave you four outs, but you've been able to have Scott Barlow, Jake Brents, when they're not used up give you some good innings and with them being used for 16 pitches or fewer, they might be able to come back in this one. You've got Ryan Love lady in the bullpen who has been a big giant liability, but you take a look at the Astros as well. This is a team in which they did wind up using up one of their best relievers and Christian Javier. Emi Garcia has been very good for this team along with Kendall Graveman. Ever since they wound up picking them up, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Blake Taylor and then you take a look at the Astros and this lineup is absolutely insane as Michael Brantley is hitting about a 330 for this bunch. You've got Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, Jose Altuve, owing at least a 268. All these guys at least a 345 on base and 
really all these guys, aside from Gurriel, have been able to give you at least 18 home runs so far this season. You've got Alamendi Zias, who's hitting a 300. Even Chaz McCormick, hitting a 255 double-digit amount of homers for him. So this is a Houston offense that I do think is going to be able to deliver quite a bit, but I do take a look at Hernandez. I like his recent form, so I'm going to be taking that plus price here with the Royals. Also, what I'm saying, this all a 9.8. At a 9.5, I would have been in on this. Double digits, just a little bit too high for me. So, going to be taking the under along with the Royals. 967, 968 on the banging board is my New York Post play of the day. As we've got the Cleveland Indians set the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Griffin Jacks is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Cal Quantrill is going to be on the bump for the Indians. Indians are finding themselves as slight underdogs here. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 105 and a plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Twins, anywhere between minus 117 and minus 125 is your price. 9.5 to 10 is the total. On the 9.5, over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. On the 10, you're going to be finding that under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Seeing minus 110 out there as well, that makes the over anywhere between minus 110 and plus 105 with Quantrill. He has been able to do an amazing job for this team. Over his last six starts, he's given up five runs, four of which were earned, and I think that he's given up one home run in that time span. I mean, it has been absolutely ridiculous. And I think that, sadly, the team is one in four in his last five starts. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Just time and time again, he has been able to shove for this team. He has given up right around three walks per nine innings, but man, he has done a good job of being a lock-in. He's proving himself worthy of being a starter. Meanwhile, you take a look at Griffin Jackson. Recently, he has been better as in his first 18 innings of the season, he wound up giving up seven home runs in that time span. You take a look at him recently, he has given up a combined seven runs over the course of his last four starts. Hasn't necessarily given a lot of length, went more than five and a third innings just once, and he has given up four home runs in those last four starts, but has only given up five walks in those last four starts as well, so has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the four to strikeouts per nine. That is suffering right around 7, so nothing great, nothing terrible, but when it comes to the Minnesota Twins, I have less faith in their bullpen than the Cleveland Indians. Now, you have James Karinczak, who has not necessarily been great for this Indians bullpen, but Nick Wickren, ever since a really bad start to the year, he's been able to rein it in. Nick Sandlin is currently on the injured list, but Brian Shaw's been able to give you some good innings along with Emmanuel Classe, and then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and you got a guy in John Gant that is really starting to regress for this team, Wamanaya. It's been a little bit up and down. He's actually been halfway solid, but Nick Vincent is someone I have no faith in. Danny Colombo as that is ERA really balloon on him. Edgar Garcia, Ralph Garza are a pair of guys I have no faith in as you've got Garcia with north of a 10 ERA at this point. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. They were able to put up a nice offensive spectacle yesterday against the Detroit Tigers as you got a guy in Jose Ramirez who has been able to give you 26 home runs so far this season. And he, Framil Reyes, Bradley Zimmer, only between a 245 and a 255 with Reyes. He's going deep about once every 12 and a half at bats. Now, I will say for Framil Reyes, it has not necessarily been the best go of it for him in August. In the month of July, he was just hitting bombs out like crazy, but you take a look at him here in the month of August, he's got as many home runs as myself after having nine last month. I think that he's going to be able to get online. Miles Straw, Amid Rosario, a pair of guys in between a 270 and a 275 Harold Ramirez currently on the injured list, and that means that you give Owen Miller along with Yu Chang, Austin Edges, Andres, Jimenez, more at-bats, all these guys are in below a minus 185 at this point, but you certainly do have some firepower at the top. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. This is a team that's a little bit gutted. Luis Arias, whenever he's been out there, as he's been banged up, is hitting above a 300 for the team. And you really have Ore Polanco do a very good job for the team. He's got 21 home runs. He's hitting at 270. Josh Donaldson has been able to do a good job of being able to provide just a little bit of everything. 245 batting average, 355 on base, 16 home runs. That has been relatively solid, but Max Kepler, Trevor Larn, 
Carnage, Miguel Luceno, and Dalton Simmons, Jake Cave. You're able to throw in there. Mitch Garver. All these guys are in 233 or lower. It's been really tough for them so far this year. And even a Rob Rev Snyder sitting at 315 just hasn't necessarily been able to get out there on the field and give you a lot of at-bats. So a little bit of a sticky situation there. I do think that Cal Quantrill is going to be able to give yet another nice start in this spot. So, why not make the Cleveland Indians more like a minus 125 favorite? And that is the near post play today. I'm going with the Indians on the money line. When it comes to the total, I see a pair of guys that are certainly improving as starters. So, why not saying the total 8.8? I'm going to be going under along the New York post play of the day of the Indians. We wrap things up with 969 nights on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Frankie Montas is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Dallas Keuchel is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. A relative pick'em game here. With the White Sox, you're going to be getting them in between a minus 110 and a minus 104. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, going to be getting them as bad as a minus 110. Going to be finding them as good as a minus 101. And your total on this game is 9. Over is any worth between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is any worth between even a minus 110. With the White Sox, I want to make them more like a minus 135 favorite. I recognize that they didn't necessarily have the best last two games against the New York Yankees. You've seen a little bit of shakiness recently with Craig Kimber along with Liam Hendricks, but I take a look at Dallas Keuchel. I recognize that he is giving up quite a few home runs. He's given up right in the neighborhood of about 1.8 home runs per nine innings, but Frankie Montas has not necessarily knocked my socks off either. He's got a 3.98 ERA for the year. He's actually been better on the road. 3.49 road ERA, 5-2 record, and he has given up eight home runs at 59 and two-thirds innings with a 2.17 opponent's batting average, but still certainly a guy that I think he leaves a little bit of something to be desired now for the Oakland A's as well. They've got the best ERA out of the bullpen in the last 30 days in all of baseball, right around a 2-2. Sergio Romo has really been able to rein it in after he had a rough start to the year ever since the beginning of the month of June. Sub-2 ERA. Jake Diekman has been able to give you some good innings. They bring in Andrew Chafin. I like what you've been able to get out of even Yasmeto Petit. And for the White Sox, I do think that Michael Kopech could be a little bit of this, a little bit of that for the team because Keiko has been going right around five innings in a lot of his starts. But you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Tim Anderson along with Eli Jimenez. Over the last eight days, these guys have a combined eight home runs. They've been able to do a great job of being able to provide some power. Cesar Hernandez along with Jose Abreu both have between 20 and 22 home runs so far this season. Abreu has 80 plus RBI as well. He's in the top five. With that regard, you want Moncada right around a 365 on base. Luis Robert is back. He's hitting above a three now. You need to get a little bit more out of guys like Sebi Zavala, Zach Collins, Daniel Mendick, Jake Lamb. All these guys are in a 220 or lower, but certainly at the top of the fold, including Andrew Vaughn, who's sitting at 265 with a double-digit amount of homers, has been able to get the job done. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's. Got a lot of guys are in between, I would say, about 14 to 10-ish home runs. You're currently dealing with not having Ramon Laureano, but Matt Chad now has been able to ascend to 17 home runs. He wound up having a nice weekend for the Oakland A's. Seth Brown, along with Jed Lowry, Sean Murphy, Mark Hanna, Mitch Moreland, and you're able to throw in there. The Marte Marte of Starling Marte are all in that fold and for Mark Hanna. He can give you right around a 375 on base along Tony Kemp, Matt Olson, 378 on base, 30 home runs. He certainly has been able to do a good job for the team. And for Mr. Marte, hitting above a 300, but I take a look at the Oakland A's. They certainly have been able to do a great job on the road, but the Chicago White Sox have been pretty sure ended at home so far this year. 39 and 22 home record of the Chicago White Sox. On the road, the Oakland A's have the same record as they do at home. 34 and 25. So, interesting spot here, but I do think that Dallas Keuchel going to be able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Oakland A's seem to be a little bit all or nothing when it comes to 
their hitting as well. So this is the final which I'm going to be taking a look at the Chicago White Sox when it comes to this total. I want them setting it a little bit north of 10 because I do think that the White Sox are going to be able to have a lot of offense in this spot. I do think that Frankie Montas is going to get lit up along with Keiko getting taken deep a few times as well. So this is the final which I'm going to be taking a look at the over along with the White Sox. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Monday. Big thanks to Jeff Parles of the Vegas Edson Information Network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, if you got one or two ways, we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JRSCORD1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, very much appreciate it. And then from there, you'll be able to put whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into that comments box. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. We're coming at you every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.